JM in the AM. Well, approaching my 40th year in this industry, if I say that there's somebody who's among my favorite guests, I would have to assume that's a pretty, pretty big compliment. That's why I was disappointed when it looked like uh, Rabbi Crone had some type of last-minute emergency bris and wouldn't be able to join us this morning. But Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, we have made contact and contact rather. And Rabbi Pesach Krohn is with us live via telephone. The book is entitled Yamim Norayim with the Magid, Elevating Stories and Insights from Elul through Yom Kippur. Rabbi Pesach Krohn is a master storyteller, an amazing author, a great lecturer, and a wonderful friend of JM in the AM. Rabbi Krohn, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. I appreciate all your compliments, and the best one, of course, is being a wonderful friend of JM and the AM and with you, of course. I, I thank you for that very, very much. It's been a long time since we've spoken. I assume you've been, you know, your, your book is to get us into the Yamim Norayim mode, is to get us into an appropriate mood and a spiritual and elevated mood for Elul, the Aseris Yimei Tshuva, Tishrei, etc. I assume because you just wrote the book, you've probably been in this mode for the last 18 months or so. That is, well, not 18 months, but probably since last year, uh, after the Haggadah came out, Gedalia Zlato had said to me um, that he thought it would be a great idea to do something for Rosh Hashanah and Elul and Atesh Yimei And so, uh, you're right, since last summer, I definitely have been in that Elul mode. As a matter of fact, um, I just got back from Croatia, which one day you must go there. It's one of the most gorgeous countries in the world. And we were on a yacht for four days. I mean, I didn't stay for the whole trip. There, the rest of the trip's coming back today. But um, throughout the four days that I was there, I spoke 18 times. And when I left, people told me they never had such a preparation for Elo. So every speech that I spoke about was based on something that I wrote about in the book. And uh, there were just so many fascinating insights. To me, one of the greatest things that I learned writing this book, I'll tell you, you know, we've been doing apples and honey right since we're children. Yeah. And the Bnei Yisoska says that the word devash, dollar base shin, is equal 306. And the two words, av farachamim, the father of compassion, which is referring to Hashem, is also 306. And that's a hint when we have the uh, apple in the honey that the Avarachman should give us a sweet year. I never I never thought of that. I never heard of that. And I thought it's great. Amazing. Amazing. I there, there's so much I want to speak to you about regarding this book. Um you have to start. Uh you, you know, we let me backtrack for a moment. We have dedicated uh the month of Elo like we did earlier uh this uh, year in Nissan uh, to a Chesed campaign. All we're doing is encouraging people to do nice things for others. That is our goal, not specifically pushing anything. Not to, we have recommendations we make, uh, and, and we talk about discoveries that we've made in the world of chesed just to open people's eyes to it. Uh, but we just talk about doing nice things and thinking of others, whether it's, whether it's financial or otherwise. You must, because you are the master storyteller, and we are hopefully coming out of what has been this terrible COVID time. You must take us back. To April of last year, you must tell the story to this audience, even though they could read it in the book, but don't worry, there's hundreds of others that can read the book. You must tell the story of what happened in Lakewood, New Jersey, when it was discovered that an older woman would be alone for the Pesach Seder. I'm assuming you know what story I'm talking about. Oh, 
experience. Of course I know. And I cry every time I tell the story. I'm getting even choked up thinking about it. And what I am so impressed with you is that you have chosen literally the best story in the book. <laughs> and, and the proof of the pudding is that I put it as a first story, being good, but even being great. And uh, that is really one of the greatest stories ever. And it was told to me by the woman to whom it happened, Mrs. Devorah Monk. And she told me that as the COVID was reaching its peak right after Purim and heading towards Pesach, she was so frightened because she knew that she would have to have the Seder alone. Now, she had moved to Lakewood years before. Her husband never had passed away shortly after they moved to Lakewood. But she had children and grandchildren. And she told me, and these are her words, ever since I was a child, I was never alone for a Shabbos Ayantif. I was either with my parents, my husband, my children, my grandchildren, and now I was going to have to do the Pesach Seder alone. And it was very daunting and very frightening because even though that her kids lived 15-minute walk away and a five-minute, it's three-minute drive, but they could not come to her home because of quarantine and distancing. So one day, um, her neighbor, and I spoke to the neighbor, but the neighbor doesn't want I should use the name, so I made up the name Becker. And Mrs. Becker called Mrs. Monk and said, look, your dining room window opens up to a little garden. And right on the other side of that little garden is our living room window. We are willing to take our dining room table, move it into the living room. We'll have the Seder in the living room. We'll open up the window. You open up your window. You'll be able to hear us. We'll be able to hear you. The garden is very small. And like this, we can have the Seder together. You'll be in your home and we'll be in our home. And Mrs. Monk told me, she said to them, you would do that for me? You know, that's amazing. She said, of course, Mrs. Becker said, you're like a bubby, like a grandma to our children. They love you. Of course, we'll be happy to do it. So she was so thrilled with that idea. The next morning, Mr. Becker came and said something that's so incredible. He said, look, you know, my wife told me the idea that she told you, and we think it's a great idea. But we don't want to try it out the first time, the first night of face-up. What if it doesn't work? Now, what are we going to do for the second night? So let's have a trial run. Let's do a Shabbos Agodol. Shabbos Agodol is a few days before Pesach. So like this, we're going to move our dining room table, Shabbos Agodol, into the living room. And Friday night, we'll have the meal. You keep your dining room window open. Let's see if you could hear our Kiddush and our Zemiris. And if it works, then we know it's going to work for Pesach. So sure enough, they had a trial run, and it was unbelievable. And Erev Pesach, she told me, she gets a knock on the door, and the Becker children are there with a Seder plate. She couldn't believe it. Not only did they do a trial run, now they're bringing her a Seder plate. <laughs> with the carpas, the mora, the haraisas, the salt water, everything. And the Seder went fabulous. It was till 1 o'clock in the morning. Now, at 1.15, the way I tell the story, she gets a knock on the door, and she's surprised who's coming 1.15 in the morning. And we all know he came a half hour ago. <laughs> who's, coming? who's coming now? And she opens the door, and it's her grandchildren and her children. They stopped their Seder, and they walked over to Oma, which is the way you say grandma in German, and they wanted to know, how was the Seder? So Mrs. Monk says, what do you mean, how was the Seder? It was fabulous. It was amazing. So her son, Yehuda, said, Ma, okay, I understand it was nice, but what do you mean it was amazing and so fabulous? She said, you know, I've been living next to these people for five years. I had no idea that they're Yekesha people, German people. They sang the same songs that Daddy sang all the years. I had no idea they knew these songs. 
that they were German people, the way they sang, just like Daddy did. And her son stops laughing. So Mrs. Monk told me, she said, Yehuda, what are you laughing? What's so funny? He said, Ma, I didn't want to tell you. But a couple days before Yontif, they called me, and they asked me if I'd make a voice recording of old and the good and that Daddy sang at the Seder so we could learn them and sing them for you so you would feel comfortable. And it's unbelievable. And then she told me, I didn't know this, that the Yekisha people, the German people, they sing three songs at the end of the Seder. Right. Uh, they sing Ankel Right. And that's what they sing. And I think that's the greatest, that's the greatest of all that shows how great we can all be. It, it is a remarkable story. It, it hit me so uh, uh, so hard because this is exactly what our El Chesed campaign here is about, just to think of unique, wonderful gestures that one or one's family can do for someone else or someone else's family, not necessarily financial. This wasn't a financial obligation. It was creativity to make sure that somebody wouldn't be alone. And then on top of that, as you described with the recordings, et cetera, to make sure that somebody would feel as if they were home. Uh, now, I'll tell you another thought based on your campaign. Something that I, it occurred to me only when I was writing this safer or book, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> with the apples and the honey. You know, I once was in Manchester in England, and I met a fabulous woman, never who was suffering from MS. Her name is Rebecca Javi Wachshel. Since then, she's passed away. But she was writing a book, and in that book, which is called Facing Adversity with Faith, Facing Adversity with Faith, uh, Feldheim published it, she wanted me to look it over and give her a letter um, of approbation, which, of course, I did. But she had an expression in there that was one of the greatest expressions I've ever heard. It's not her, her idea. She got it from someplace else. But she wrote, any fool can count the seeds in one apple, but only the highest power, Hashem, knows how many apples there are in one seed. Mm. And, and to me, that is so great. And you know what occurred to me? What you're doing now is making a chesed program. People are planting seeds of chesed. Yeah. And so it occurred to me, maybe, that there's an additional thing that we can learn from the apples and honey. Take a look at the seeds in the apple. You want to have a sweet new year? Plant seeds for other people. Do chesed for other people. It Make a sweet new year for others, and then you'll have it for yourself in that way. But look at the seeds in the apple and realize that every seed has so many apples, especially when you plant a seed of chesed, a seed of kindness, and, and, and seeds of, of hope and confidence. And on top of that, and I know I'm using the same name you're going to use because you changed the name, but on top of that, the Becker children and grandchildren, imagine what they are going to remember about growing up and how that's going to impact the way they're going to act toward others when they get older. That is so true. That is so true. It's the greatest lesson in Chinuch, 100%. Rabbi Pesach Kron is with us. The book is called Yamim Narayim with the Magid, Elevating Stories and Insights from Elul through Yom Kippur. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. By the way, you will see many, many more titles than just this one for Rabbi Pesach Kron when you go to artscroll.com. Uh, plus DVDs and so many other things that he has uh, narrated over the years and introduced to us. Uh, so check it out. If you just search his name, 
You will be mesmerized by uh, the collection. Uh, Rabbi Crone, I'm sorry to do this to you and put you on the spot, but I wrote a note to myself, and and I just don't remember where exactly the story was when I read it. And you know, one of the reasons I want you to address this, frankly, is I've been to um, Brisson. Oh, by the way, is there a Briss today? Because some of the guys want to know if they can avoid Tachanun on a Thursday. Are you going anywhere today or not? In, uh, I'm going to Ontario to film. You know, usually in Ellil, I go to Toronto and I go to England, but because of the travel restrictions and quarantine and distancing, I can't travel there. So I'm on my way to uh, our dear friend, you know, my son-in-law, Hananya, yep. and does Koran Multimedia. So I'm going to be filming in about 10 minutes. Okay. Cool. So, so at least I know now if I make you late, Hananya likely won't be angry at me. Uh, but, um, but so there's no brisk today, folks. Those 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 guys out there that were hoping to follow Rabbi Krohn around, sorry about that. It's a Thursday that's going to demand full Tachanun. Anyway, so I go to, you know, I, I'm sometimes at relatives or friends' um uh, Brisson, and frankly, I'm a little surprised by the names that the parents give their children because names in Jewish tradition are very, very important. In fact, you write that it's more—it's not only important because of our tradition and you know using appropriate names, but names stick to a person. And I'll give you an opportunity in a moment to elaborate on that. But then it was amazing when it, during that story. I mean. At my age, I never realized that the word shame, which is name, are the two middle letters of the four letters of neshama, which, of course, is soul. I just discovered that from your book. Do you sometimes, even though we always say if they're old enough to get married, they're old enough to choose a name for their child, I get that. I'm a libertarian also, so I get that. But do you sometimes roll your eyes when you hear some of the names that babies are given these days? Well, you know, I, I try to encourage people to always use a name that's meaningful and that the child will be proud of. I remember Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky told me that it's very, very important, especially with Yiddish names. We use Yiddish names, but you want to use a name that a child will be proud of. And, and you really have a very big responsibility. Besides, the Gemara tells us, Shema Garim, your mm-hmm. name has an influence. Now, I'm going to tell you something about my name. You're not going to believe this, but you know, my first name is Pesach, right? Everybody right. knows that. Right. Now, Aramaic, or when you learn the halachas of Pesach, Pesach is really a combination of two words. Pesach, a mouth that speaks, right? Yep. Now, my middle name is Yosef, which means a lot. Now, I guarantee you that when my mother named me Pesach Yosef after her father, she was not thinking that I was going to be a speaker who doesn't stop speaking. But that's what Pesach Yosef is all about. I got that. And also, we should mention, here's why I wanted you to elaborate a bit. It's not just an appropriate name that we want and something that's meaningful to the family, as you just said. I mean, I could cite so many examples of that where people have a meaningful connection to a certain name. Uh, but on top of that, you know, you just said what you said about your own name. It is uncanny, and, and I hope you agree with me on this. It's uncanny how often someone's name describes their personality or represents them in some way. I'll tell you why you're a thousand percent right, because the Arizal writes that when parents give a name to a child, they are blessed with a certain Ruach HaKadosh that they don't even realize. In other words, they think that they may have named them after an uncle, an aunt, or an Adam Godel, or whatever, but there was a reason, Baruch HaKadosh, why they had to choose that name, because the name really does define the person. There's no question about it. Yeah. And the Rebbe Rebbe Melech and Pashas Bamidbar writes 
that the child's neshama is connected to the neshama of the person for whom he's named for. So, of course, you want to name after good people and mazaldika people. Yeah. It's an important message, and sometimes I think the younger people, boy, do I sound like an old-fashioned guy, huh? <laughs> sometimes I think yeah. the younger people have to be reminded of that. You know what's funny, and, and based on this conversation, I think people are picking it up. We, we associate Elul with fear. We associate Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment, with fear. But there's a lot of non-fear stories uh, in this book. There's a lot of inspiring tales and insights that tell you that Elul and Slichus and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are a lot more than just being afraid of the one above. What can you tell us about those who who seem to uh, obsess over the fear of this time of year? Well, that's a good question. I, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is what the Baba Verebi, Rav Shlema Havasam, Zechatadik Lavrocha, said about Elo. We all know that Elo stands for Anila Doidi Vedoidi Li. You know what he said it stands for? Echad Loila Echad Lachatas. And he explained it in a very beautiful way. He said sometimes a person looks back at the year that he had and he says, you know, listen, I, I was very good this past year. I did my daf, I went to the minion, I was kind to my wife and kids, you know, I gave stucker. So we say to that person, you're right. You had a great year, but this is a time when you have to get even higher. Elul is a time of improvement. So for those people who had a great year and felt they were fine, they should go even higher. It's not a question of fear. It's a question of motivation that each year we have to be better than the year before. And then, of course, there are those people, those people who may have done some things that they're not proud of in the past year, so of course they have to improve. But the Echad aspect of Elo is a time for introspection and a time for improvement and to grow. Yeah, and there's so many areas that we can grow in, and many of them you address in this book. By the way, I have to mention, because you said that the uh, that Hanania is responsible now for your virtual trip to Toronto, right? We're giving him that responsibility. But next Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken, you're actually coming to the Lower East Side. Am I right about that? Yeah, right. There's no quarantine, you know, from going from Queens to the lower Manhattan. <laughs> and that'll be your uh, annual visit for the first night of Sleekus at the Angusul of Manhattan, uh, where it'll start at 11.15. You will uh, uh, speak for about an hour that night before they say Sleekus at 1 a.m., and that's all here on the Lower East Side. You can actually see and hear by Crone live and in person. You can even bring the book along. He'll autograph it for you before Ashray. Right, Rabbi Crone? You would do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and even after Slichas as well. Even, I just, and even after Slichas. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, I, I just hope our mutual friend, David, David Zitzer, that he should have a full shlema. I know he hasn't been well, and I dive for him every day. Well, I saw him yesterday, and he's looking better and better. I can tell you that much. Baruch Hashem. By the way, you have a great Lower East Side story, and, there, and it's, you want to know something on paper? It's funny, on paper. It's not such a great story because it doesn't have the drama, but so many of the stories of Rav David Feinstein and his life and the way he conducted himself were not great stories. We were just amazed at how courteous he was toward others, uh, like you know, like a regular courteous person would be. After all, he was the Rosh Hashiva. The one I'm talking about is when he... He knew that there was a woman taking care of her child in his office in MTJ during the uh, uh, the Rosh Hashanah service, and and he insisted that they wait because he noticed that she didn't come out and finish, which means she would have uh, missed its kias. She would have missed its kias so far. I think I'm telling this correctly, am I? Well, just one slight change. What he did was before the Baltikia was going to start blowing shofar, he called over that 
fellow, the husband of right. that a woman, right. and he asked her, he asked him, uh, is your wife finished in the office? And when he said yes, and then he said, now we can blow Schaefer. But the, the idea, here's a Godelot door yep. who's got, you know, hundreds of people in the base medrash, and he's thinking about that one woman who might miss Sierra Schaefer, where she's going to hear it the rest of the day. Oh, let me tell you. I, 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 as I always say, uh, all, all I was was his neighbor, right? Not a, not a Talmud, and, uh, but just being here for 30 years in the same building in the same neighborhood and watching how he conducted himself, my God. Uh, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a Musser Seder, just watching certain that's, certain, no question c- certain gedolim and people and the way they conduct themselves with, yeah. with other people. Uh, and, and, and one that, of the things that I'm very proud that I did in this book is that I also used some history. In other words, there were many things that happened in Elo, Rosh Hashanah, and Asherah in Jewish history that are very inspirational. For example, many people don't realize that the, the Danish king allowed Jews to escape from Denmark to Sweden so that because the Nazis were planning to surround all the shuls the first night of Rosh Hashanah, and there was a certain Nazi who found out about it. He was working in Denmark, and he hated the Nazis, what they were doing. And he let the Jewish people know, and the king and his officials they provided police cars so that the Jews would be able to go up north. And during Aserachimachuva, they went by boat. And the thousands, thousands were saved. They went from Denmark to Sweden, and they were in Sweden for two years until after the war. And I'll tell you the most amazing thing that people told me that lived through it. I spoke to people in Denmark. I spoke to others that the Danish king and the Danish officials they did not let anybody go into any of the Jewish homes. And when the Jews came back to Denmark, after two years, the tables were still set with the honey dishes and, and the silverware and, and, and the collar covers on the table. Could you imagine? For two years, nobody went into a Jewish home or Jewish school to vandalize it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. There, there are some good people out there. There are some good people out there. I know I got to let you go because you know I, I can't. I can't get Hananya that upset at me. I want to make sure to be able to get back to his studio for our next Logba Omer celebration. But I, I have to ask you, Rabbi Crow. It, it had to as, as laborious as it is to write a book. It has to go to a different level when you're trying to think of and present and research, think of and present something different about each one of the Al Chaits. How difficult a process was that? Oh, that, you know something? You're so right. It, and it is three things. There's the Oshamnu, Avina Malkainu, and Alchait. Right. Because you're really saying 44 different Alchait. You're saying so many Avina Malkainus, and you're saying Oshamnu. And what is the difference? And you really have to work. I can't say I wrote about every one, but some right. of them that I did write right. were so meaningful. For example, Ichi Do you know Ichi Deutsch? Sure. Yeah, so he told me a great story that uh, he once asked Rapam for advice, and then he came back to tell Rapam that the advice had worked very well. So Rapam told him something, which I think about every time I say Hashamnu. You know, we say, we bang our hearts, and we ask Hashem forgiveness, and we gave bad advice. Rapam said, I cry when I say, because so many people ask me for advice, and do I know if I gave them the right advice? Many times people don't come back to me, so I don't know if I gave the right advice or not. And I think that's a very important lesson. Many times people wow. ask our advice, and I think that it's a responsibility when we're saying your Oxnurah to think, 
Did you give the right advice? Were you really cognizant of all the facts? Are you aware of everything in this situation that you're able to give right advice? Many times we give advice without thinking twice, and that's wrong, and that's what the Ra'at is all about. You know, often people give advice for what's best for them. That's right. And, that's right. And, and that's a that's a real you know that that's a real battle with the eight Sahara not to give advice right. for what's best for uh, you, but what's best for the other person. And even, now, even, I want to show you something. Now, I, I I wish that you and the listeners will have a pencil and paper to write down something that will absolutely blow your mind. You will not believe what I'm about to tell you. And I wrote this in because the first time I heard it, I absolutely went crazy. Now, you all know you know what a palindrome is, of course. A sure. palindrome is a word like mom, pop, right. radar, race card that you could read frontwards and backwards. Right. Now, we have in the al the COVID, uh, giving respect to our parents and to our teachers. So I tell this story that Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky once figured out, now write down these words, you will not believe this, is in the Pasuk when... Esau brings food mm-hmm. to his father, Yitzchak. Right. Now, if you wrote down these words, Just you will be shocked to see that it's a palindrome. Right. It is. I wrote it down. It is. <laughs> it, isn't that amazing? <laughs> but listen to what Rabbi Chaim Janievsky said you could learn from this palindrome. He said, the way you treat your parents, that's how your children are going to treat you. Isn't <sighs> that amazing? Boy, and the older you get, the more you realize how true it is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Is that true? By Yovela Ovis. So that's what I wrote by Kibun Hoyerim. And that's one of the things that I'm going to be speaking now on this video that I'm making, you know, for both Toronto and England. Right. That they, they, the topic they wanted me to speak about is it's a time to plant. Because it's after COVID, you know, right. hopefully, mostly after COVID. Let's hope. We're still in the idea is we've got to plan for the future. And one of the things to plan, if you want your kids to respect you, is to respect your own parents. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know I could do this with you all day long. Uh, unfor- <laughs> unfor- unfortunately, we're limited on time. Uh, but I will recommend, highly recommend, and not that you need my recommendation, Rabbi Crow, but everybody out there, trust me on this one. I uh, absolutely enjoyed this book thoroughly. It couldn't have been timed any better than coming out, obviously, now at the beginning of Elul, uh, buy it and enjoy it. It's Yamim Narayim with the Magid, elevating stories and insights from Elul through Yom Kippur. Raif Hesach Krohn is the author. Go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio. Again, go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio for your big discount and free shipping on every single order, no matter what, no matter how big and no matter how small. Yamim Narayim with the Magid, Rabbi Pesach Krohn. Do, do you count books, Rabbi Krohn, or uh, you're not into that? You don't know exactly the number that you've written. Oh, well, if you take a look at the back cover, you'll see 17. Wow. Pretty amazing. Puzzle. I can't believe it. And sometimes I look at that picture of all the books in the back. If you have the book in front of you, yeah, you I take haven't. a look at the back cover. And and I take a look and I think, man, i got to meet this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and the word Magid is on most of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I thank you so much. Uh, best regards to everybody at ArtScroll. And, okay. and, and tell, okay. tell Hanania we try to respect his schedule as much as possible. And I take this okay. opportunity right to, to wish you a Ksivach Simatova, happy, healthy, and sweet new year. Um, and you as well, you and your family. And we should be able to continue doing all the things that we love. And one of the things we love is talking to each other. I appreciate that very much. I love it immensely. And a good yard to you. The one and only Rabbi Pesach Kron. Pick up the book. You will love it. 
There's no other way for me to say it. You will love it. Elevating stories and insights from Elul through Yom Kippur. The book is called Yamim Noroyim with the Magid. More coming up. You are listening to a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM. Those words that um, Rabbi Krohn spoke about regarding our Chesed campaign. I can't say it better myself. Everybody out there, pay attention to those around you who can use a boost, not necessarily financially, just can use a boost, can use a nice gesture before Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot and do what you can to help them out in whatever way possible and show your children and grandchildren what you're doing. Thursday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.